and welcome to Women in the Business Arena, formerly known as the Liberation Lab. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Guzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Together, we dive into juicy topics relevant to women in business. We've learned through decades of being entrepreneurs how to conquer the business arena and achieve not just success, but fulfillment and liberation. We also believe that this is a continual journey of ups and downs, so we get honest, vulnerable, and real about what it takes to succeed. Think of this as joining our inner circle of women discussing the issues that matter and the strategies that will help you enjoy the ride. If you want to continue the discussion, join our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. We would love to hear from you. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Laura Shuk guzman Hey, Laura. Hey, hey, how you going? I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> so often Laura and I kind of get into this, you know, five minutes before the podcast and we're like, how are you going? Oh, I'm crazy. How are you going? Crazy. You know, this is sort of what it can be like while you're running your own business. A bit crazy. <laughs> your business and your littles in your life and yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. But that's why I look forward to these conversations every week with you, Sonia, because I remember that I'm not alone. Thank goodness. That's right. And that's what we really want these podcasts to be about. We really want you all to be able to relate to what we're talking about because these are real issues. We're real people. And this is sort of the reality of what it's like being in business, especially when you're running with a family as well. So today we, we thought, you know, what are we going to talk about? What are some things that we can sort of explore? And one of the things I get a lot from my clients is sort of a struggle with over-owning or under-owning their responsibility. So whether that's with clients, with family, with, you know, people that they're working with, you know, as far as partners, whatever that is, it's sort of like, how can we take proper responsibility, right? How do we um, actually own what is our responsibility, but let go what is not our responsibility? And I think that line is a really sort of tricky place that a lot of people struggle to discern. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. Mm-hmm. Well, I, in so many business leaders, founders, entrepreneurs, we, we have this tendency to go not only all like, what is that? The all in, all feet in something like that. It's like, not only do we go all in, we kind of go all in and overboard. Like we can just get, um, really, I don't know, um, further invested in a business than we even need to. And then we call it, it calls into question of like, are we over-functioning? Are we over-owning? Or is there just something going on here that needs to be reassessed? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of sort of areas that we can look at it. But I think one of the key areas, especially, you know, in the industries that I work in, which are service industries, is, you know, where are we over-owning or under-owning with our clients? Because I think that that is a really sort of pivotal topic. Um, And as women, I feel like we are usually more in the category of over-owning than we are in under-owning. So just sort of give um, like a basis for this or some context around it. You know, when we take responsibility, we're owning our 
responsibility, right? What we should have done, what we could do, who we are, like actually what is ours to own. When we're over-owning, we're actually taking on someone else's responsibility and we're burdening ourselves with their responsibility. When we're under-owning, we're not taking enough responsibility that it actually is ours. Yeah, like you said, both of those are common, but I do think that women tend to go to the over-owning because there's a tendency of um, our habits are to, our behavior often has been like multitasking and all the different family responsibilities and managing um, multiple projects. I mean, women are known to do things very uh, kind of across the board, several different things that they're managing where men will kind of get focused on a particular project. Doesn't mean that they can't handle several things um, at once, but that even research shows that women are just a little bit more experienced has been the role that we've had in our lives. So I think that we tend to over own. And in my experience, I can see that happen in, in both my businesses, in my co-working space, where I start sort of taking more responsibility than I need to, to make sure that my members are having a great experience. And I forget to like, let them do more of that work. <laughs> and I, and I exhaust myself. And then as a therapist, if you're over owning, um, in therapy, you're going to burn out pretty quickly because you'll start noticing yourself working harder than your client. So every time they show up, up in front of you to work on something, you're like extra, you feel almost feel like you're, you're working, um, double time for them to, to, see some sort of change or success. So you, so you can kind of start to feel, or for me, I start to feel a level of burnout or exhaustion when I'm over owning things yeah. in my business. Yeah, that is a really good indicator, actually. So exhaustion, um, overwhelm, like feeling like you don't have much attention, like free attention. There's always, that's a good indicator to start to look at where might I be over owning? right? And under-owning can be the same way, like when you're not taking the responsibility. What I find is that a lot of people are over-owning things that are not their responsibility and under-owning things that actually are. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Kind of a shirking of like pulling away from something. Maybe there's some sort of resistance there. It really is yours to tackle, but there's something you're resisting and pulling away from. That can also be um, related, right? So you're overcompensating and overowning in one area because yep. you're underowning in another one that somehow is uncomfortable for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, um, one of the, one of the ways I sort of like to have a picture of this, or one of the ways that has been really personal to me is, you know, I like to look at things in terms of like the difference between being a leader and a healer, right? So, and, and people might sort of debate this, but in general, if I'm a leader, I'm asking people to rise up to that leadership, right? So then they have to do the work. They have to choose for themselves. They have to do what's needed inside themselves. They have to decide. They have to use their motivation. They have to use their grit. You know, that's sort of where I feel like leadership is. If I'm going down to heal someone, right? If I'm, you know, working on them and they're laying there on the table or, you know, I'm helping to heal him, heal them, they're doing less work, right? They're, they're um, letting me do the work or they're letting their body do the work or, you know, however your belief system is. But they themselves don't really need the motivation or the grit or the hard work because it's like someone else is sort of doing it for them. 
Well, this is a lot of like what we have to look at when we're running our service businesses, because the truth is, is that we need to be leaders, not healers in these particular cases. And what happens is we will succeed so much more and our clients will succeed so much more when they're using their own grit and they're motivated and they're not asking you to fix them, but they're actually engaged and putting in the work the same way as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting how many things in business I feel like parallel parenting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like I've been thinking a lot about as my teenagers getting ready to become um, in two years, like possibly out on her own in college and how much I over um, overdo often for her because I see things that um I, that just need to get done. And so instead of trusting that she'll do it, sometimes I can get eager and jump in and, and overdo. And I think that happens in our business. Sometimes it's like you get anxious or you think something's not going to happen for your client. So you know, part of it is sitting in the discomfort of watching other people learn. That's a true leader. Like that is a quality of leadership. It's not that you're fixing it, um, but that you're watching and trusting and guiding your client or your child or whoever it is that's sort of in your, um, under your guidance, like giving them the opportunity to, to do it and to trust themselves, even if there's a window of you stepping in and making that easier or faster or less painless, but that's not where the teaching lies for the other person. Yeah. And this is so, I think this is really sort of the core of it is that so many of us want to, um, stop other people's suffering. We want to, you know, make it easier for them. We want to be able to, um, you know, sort of in a way take on their burdens, especially if we really, really care. You know, we, and, and I do see this as with our kids as well, <clears throat> like you said, as well as, you know, family members, as well as anybody in your life that you really care for. You know, I care for my clients as well. And sometimes when we really see their suffering, when we really see their struggling, we want to fix it. We want to go in there and sort of make it easier for them. And we don't realize that we're taking away their win. We are taking away the growth and the transformation that they're going to have in that process of actually owning their own experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is, it's, it's coming back to that, you know, we have a lot of um, discomfort in ourselves watching other people struggle. And so it's like a dual, like you learning to, to handle your own discomfort um, can help you then see it in someone else and sit and watch and know that, okay, this isn't mine to fix or solve. This is theirs. But then what can I do to be here for them? Like, what is it that I can provide to help with this learning process? But it's not that I'm going to step and do into that and do the work for them. I think with today's competitive marketplace too, that entrepreneurs fall into a place of insecurity if their clients are really struggling and need to see a breakthrough, they start worrying like, oh, if I don't, if this doesn't happen, then my client's going to leave. And then are, and then they're not going to give me any good testimonials or say anything great about me or not going to recommend me, right? There's kind of this fear that if something is not done, so we're putting this extra pressure on ourselves. It's not just about the present moment with that client, but the potential of future clients or what our reputation or brand, um, how that could be implicated if, the, if there's not. Yeah. 
So true. (laughs) So true. And I mean, I find I can hit this mindset as well. Like even in my business, like my whole program is designed to be challenging in a way because it pulls up people's belief systems and it pulls up their struggles and it pulls up the real challenges so that I can see them. And in that process, sometimes if people aren't willing to, you know, move forward, if they're not willing to you know, actually um, go through the process, then I find I can hit that fear. Oh no, like I'm a failure. And this is where we're over-owning. Anytime we believe we're the failure for someone else, not accomplishing something, not doing something, not making gains, not, you know, being able to go through our programs or our services, like that's over-owning. I cannot be responsible for someone's ability or inability to do something. And I think that this is the thing we have to look at, but our fear around what that's going to mean for us, how that's going to reflect on us, it then sort of, you know, tilts us to want to overown. Oh, well, maybe there's more I can do. Maybe I can, you know, give more. Maybe I can spend more time with them. Maybe I can, you know, give extra, extra, extra amazing service so that they get back on track. And we have to really stop doing that because it sabotages us and it really slows down our momentum our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you're speaking to that, I'm, I'm kind of pondering, it's like, where does that under, kind of like, where does it swing back then? And we under own something coming back to what I was like the correlation I made earlier that sometimes we over own and then we compensate when we aren't getting what we we are not seeing the progress that we'd like in that area. We then kind of shirk that and under own. Um, can you think of, of how that could be, yeah, kind of an example of that. Look, and I think in any given situation, we have to always look at where is our responsibility, right? So for me, let's say, you know, I have had experiences where some clients in my program didn't do as well. And so, you know, they might be struggling, they might be, uh, you know, just not the right fit. And so then I have to look and say, okay, where is it their responsibility? Where have they not taken responsibility? Where have they chosen not to fulfill their obligations or commitment to the program and to themselves? And where could I have improved things, right? So then I kind of look at, you know, you can under-own by saying none of it's my fault, you know, and that to me is under-owning. Like if it's, if I'm in interaction with someone, then something of it is mine because I'm part of that interaction. But I think that this is where the discernment and the clarity, and it's a skill, it really is skill building to be able to recognize more and more, here's where I'm not owning enough and here's where I'm over-owning. So in a situation like that, where I might have a client who's not the best fit for my program, for instance, I have to look at, okay, well, my responsibility might be that I saw a red flag from the beginning and I didn't listen to it right? So that might be my responsibility. Or, you know, could there be improvements I can make in my program that would help people succeed more? That's my responsibility. But as far as their willingness, their desire, what they want from me, like if they want me to fix them versus they want to rise up to the messages that I keep giving them over and over again, you know, that stuff is all theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that kind and of help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really important that discer- the discernment there of um, like we can still, we can see where we're over owning and then take responsibility in appropriate ways and appropriate places. So it isn't that, oh, okay, this 
progress isn't happening. I guess my client's just not working hard enough, you know, to do. Um, there's often a time if there is any type of, um, like lack of progress and then, or just a client stuck, then it's a great time to look at, okay, what might be happening that, um, I feel is their work to do. And then how can I help give that feedback and, and guide? And then where are places that I might be hitting something where this is a, an edge where somehow I'm not able to always work with clients that are struggling with this particular thing um, because I don't have enough experience in that or I'm hitting my own stuff. And then you can kind of work on where you can take responsibility. I think this is that nuanced piece that's a little difficult for some entrepreneurs is knowing like, where am I really over owning and when do I, when do I need to take a more serious look at this? And I think for myself, it's when it's a pattern, you know, like in anything, if something comes up more than two times, you know, sometimes it can come up more than once and it still may not be a pattern, but once it hits that two or more times, then it's just like in a relationship when you constantly still have the same person that you feel like you're dating over and over again. Like, why am I still dating this type of person? It's not just that person anymore. It's time to look at what am I doing? That's either I'm attracted to this particular dynamic or there's something I'm stuck in. So I think we can use that same lens in business when you have a client or a pattern that's showing up. That's when you might be able to look at that and say, okay, this isn't um, possibly just something that I need my clients to be doing. There's something that I might want to shift here in how I'm working or, um, yeah. So in this conversation of over owning and kind of under owning, there's this middle ground of then having responsibility where you do own it and you tweak it and you let that, um, guide you, you know, and shape your processes or your offerings. Yeah. And, and it is a nuance. Like, and that's why I said it's, a, it's about skill building, right? Like this isn't something that I could just like lay out for you and say, this is the answer. Like this is when it's over owning, this is when it's under owning, but a few reference points. Generally, we have to look at what we actually have control over. Right. So, so oftentimes when I talk about power, when I talk about control, when I talk about responsibility, I look at it in terms of you have a circle of power that's within you. You have control over your business, over your circumstances, over your life, over what actions that you can take. You have no responsibility for another. Now, the only subtlety in that is when we have kids, right? We have responsibility to care for them um, because we birthed them or adopted them. Either way, we have, we have chosen to have some responsibility in that. Um, but even then, you know, we don't really have control over another. The only power we have with other people is agreements. So even partners, we don't have control over them. We have agreements with them, right? That we're trying to honor or, or we don't honor, but it's like all about agreements and same with clients. We have agreements with them. We can't control what they do, what they choose, what actions they take, what they feel, what they believe, what they struggle with, what they're like, none of that is in our control. That is a hundred percent their responsibility. What we can control is what our business is doing, what we could improve, you know, what we might be doing as far as our own patterns and our own feelings and our own experiences, but we don't have any control over them. And so then sometimes it requires a new agreement or sometimes it, it requires restating an agreement. And see, this is where like when I lose my leadership, because it happens, right? There are times in my business in my life where I lose leadership. 
And when that happens, sometimes I forget to, to remind, like I will take someone's um, sort of struggles on as my own and blame myself or feel at fault or feel, you know, like, oh, I've done that. Like I'm not doing good enough, right? That's a really old pattern that a lot of women have. But the truth is, is that what I probably need to do is reinstate the original agreement. Like when I have an agreement with a client, it's that they show up that they listen to what I say, that they, you know, really take it on and they try it. And when they're not doing that, they've broken the agreement. Mm -hmm. And being clear in these types of agreements is something that's really important. And it's never too late to revisit agreements. (laughs) I think it's important to point out Um, because like you said, you know, when the agreements are clear, then we sort of know, then we're more clear on what it is that we are showing up for and what it is that we're expecting of the other. And, um, and often, you know, I think that that's where things get a little bit, a little bit muddled is when people go into something without stating the responsibility of what they're taking on for their client, you know, saying like, this is the responsibility that I have working with you. These are the things I'm going to offer. These are the ways that I'm going to, um, work. And then these are the expectations I have for you. I know something that um, I started putting into my paperwork as a therapist very early on based on my supervisor's recommendation was that a realistic expectation of therapy. So there's actually a a place in there that says, you know, therapy can um, bring up difficult emotions. It can make things feel more intense before things feel better. And so we talk about that in the initial consultation and often in the first session too, because people are, when they come to a coach, they come to a therapist, they come to um, some guide that's helping them with a a life or work issue. There's a lot of hope that finally they're going to come and lay their, you know, whatever their problem is at your feet and you're going to give them that answer. But the reality is that you can shape that expectation right away from the get-go and have that clear, like, this is where I'm working and this is where I expect you to work by, you know, letting them know, like, this is a journey. This is kind of what, what you might expect in going through this. And, and, you know, this is something we've talked about before in our other episodes. It's just like the importance of getting really clear with your own values in your, um, in what you're offering and really what your lane is and putting that out there, not just for the client, this is for you to not overdo, right? Don't overwork or underwork. Um, by getting really clear with yourself first. This is something I think all of our podcasts keep coming back to is like, this is where you come back to you and you feel into what is the work that you're doing in the world? And where are those boundaries? Where does, where does that line end? And how do you educate and talk with your client um, about what you expect of them and how they're going to come into the, that didactic relationship, right? Because it's two people at least, and sometimes more than that, if you have a team that you're working with as well with that person. Yeah. And I think this topic is, you know, we're sort of encroaching on a lot of different sort of areas because, you know, we're talking about over-owning and under-owning, which is really around responsibility, but we're also talking about leadership. Like, you know, in order to be a leader in your business, to be a leader in the world, like you have to be clear about what your responsibility is and you have to be clear about what you can and can't do. And you have to, you know, uh, it's really interesting. I've been in organizations before where like some of the self-development things I've done in the past, where they talk about how, um, you know, 
it is you're you can be reliable when you know what you know and you know what you don't know right whereas like that's a very different concept than most people have in the world we're supposed to all know everything right we're supposed to all like not look stupid we're supposed to make sure that so even if we don't know something we kind of say oh yeah i might have heard of that or yeah you know we try to we try to sort of pretend like we do know it instead of owning yeah, you know what? I don't know anything about that. That's not my lane. It's like, that's the ego piece. But what happens is we're actually unreliable. We are not leaders when we try to own things and we try to, you know, say that we know things that we don't actually know. <laughs> that's a really good point because it is a culture. There's like a shame culture around not knowing. That's something that we have to spend a lot of time, you know, unpacking and programming because it's so a part of our cultural messaging, like you said, just we're kind of expected to just make it, oh yeah, I think I've heard of that. Or I did take a class on that once, maybe a little rusty, but you're still like trying to have some sort <laughs> of context where we, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be really refreshing to be like, you know, I have never heard a thing about what you just, <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know yeah. anything about that. Like, yeah. Tell me. Um, right. And if that would be <laughs> actually, yeah, socially acceptable, but we all fear being that that's kind of goes back to that fear of being ostracized out of the social group, right? It's like we, when there's a social norm, we're all trying to fit it. But the more that we can own what we know, like you said, um, and own what we don't know, be more clear with that. And this also, I'm really glad that you brought it back around to leadership in general, because I think this is something that is really important that we speak to all the time is what it means to tr truly have a more feminine style of leadership versus a masculine, sort of the toxic masculine leadership, because the leadership that we have seen through more of the, um, the mass, the toxic masculine, masculine lens has been overworking. It's a leadership. That's like, I got this. Okay. Men, women underneath me, listen, I'm your leader. I'm going to tell you what to do. <laughs> you yeah. know? And there is kind of an over, like, I'm going to tell you, this is what you need to do. And if you do exactly what I say, we're all going to be good here. Like that is kind of an old school paradigm of leadership in a more feminine leadership, the leadership that we really need moving us forward, in my opinion, um, as we evolve as humans, is this ability to dance the line between I'm your teacher, I'm your guide, and I will provide this information to you as I also will be silent and step to the side to let you try out what you know to be true and to, to take that responsibility to move forward as I let you step and forward and lead. And then I come back into leadership and then I let you lead. So to me, this is kind of a new ground for I think a lot of us um, women do it well to a certain extent innately. I think we can do this leadership style. This is the more fluid style, but we have been told to ignore that innate knowing and to try to do this other style of leadership to, again, to kind of fit into a masculine style of business and a masculine style of leading. Yes. Yes. And if you look at it in terms of that sort of leadership style, you know, there's part of it is there's a lot of um, confusing language around it. So for instance, we talk a lot about influencing right? And I, I really dislike that word, influence, influencer, influencing, because um, oftentimes uh, leaders are not actually doing the influencing. A lot of non-leaders are doing the influencing, are bad leaders. I mean, however you want to look at it. And just because someone has like a big social media following, they will 
have influence, but it's not really based on leadership. And so I think, you know, there the part of the confusion is we have to understand, like, I, I like to talk in terms of sort of circles of power, right? You have a circle of power. It has a boundary and someone else has a circle of power. That's their boundary. And what we can come together is two circles of power is have an agreement right? But what most of the time happens is people go out of their circle of power to start to influence and interfere in someone else's circle of power, which is why we have a lot of dispower, you know, disempowerment and you know, control and all of that. That is unhealthy and it means you're not standing in your circle of power. So the way I see sort of feminine leadership, divine leadership, mature feminine leadership we're talking about is that ability to firmly stand in your circle of power, living it, breathing it, owning it, you know, like fully being there. And then you're connecting and you're creating agreements with people and you're being your wisdom, but you're not over there influencing people. You're not over there in their circle of power, trying to control them, trying to manipulate them, trying to influence them, trying to take ownership for them. Like you're just standing in your power and that is the influence. Hmm. Beautifully said. And those two circles, when they come into contact with one another and they're both standing in their um, circle of power and they're in their leadership, then the overworking and the underworking is less of an issue, right? Yeah. Because you've got two people that are really clear about their so their boundaries, their circle of power. And so they can overlap here and there, but it feels really good. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I had a situation where something was really unclear. The other person was trying to be really nice. I knew that they were coming from a very kind hearted place, but their boundaries and their expectations, everything was so muddled. I felt very uncomfortable, like mm. making an agreement. Yep. And I thought, I was like, oh, this person's trying to be so nice. And this is a good lesson because I do that. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I do. I try to do what they're doing to me. And now I know how it feels like you're trying to be so nice and accommodating. And you really just, you're out for that person. You're, you're really thinking that you're putting yourself out there for the other. Um, but by not being just you and not being really clear about what your boundaries are and what you have to offer. It puts that other person in a predicament and they don't know what to expect of you. They don't know like, well, can you do this work? Are you going to fix my problem? Like, I guess I did pay you this money. And so make me a millionaire. Like, okay, <laughs> let's sign up for that. And so that kind of challenge, um, I really felt it recently, like on the other end of it. I was like, gosh, yeah, I don't like that feeling. I, I don't like not knowing where that person really stands and not really knowing that they're going to take care of themselves, that they're going to set that boundary. Cause now I'm not sure like how much to give and how much to take. So that yeah. was really interesting for me because yeah. I'm usually on the other end of that. <laughs> So interesting. And what we don't realize is, in, in, you know, this is a high level of responsibility, but we don't realize is that generally a lot of people, including ourselves, right? Because I've owned lots of patterns like this in my life for myself, is that we have these unconscious patterns to where we are really, really nice. But underneath that, we are not taking responsibility. And so what's happening is we're burdening the other person 
with the responsibility. And somehow, you know, we're covering that up by being nice and kind and like, but that's an illusion. And, and oftentimes, like, you know, for me, I can feel the underlying patterns in people, right? It's one of my sort of gifts or one of the things that I'm just able to do. And, and when you feel the incongruity of that it is really, really yucky. And when you're tied into it because you're in a relationship with someone like that, it's really, really challenging. And I think this is why so many things are messy because the truth is most people have not learned how to be in their own circle of power. And so you rarely have two circle of powers coming together to make clear agreements. You generally have at least one, if not both, over-owning, under-owning, like not really in their power. And so this is exactly why people have such challenges in relationship is because of this sort of messiness in, and really it's about them learning to be more in their circle of power. And that's a lot of what I teach in my program is like, you know, helping women to set more and more into their own circle of power so that they can come from a leadership position. Yeah. And it's amazing how this ripples out into all of our relationships. So in being a leader and in being a great partner with like a romantic, intimate partner, being a mom um, or a parent, I mean, you know, just like there's so being a good friend I mean, there's just so many ways in which the more you are staying in your circle of power and you know, your boundaries, you know, your value, then you can have these more clear, healthy, energetic exchanges with people like that's Yeah. And yet the messiness of our human, you know, complexity, that's, that's what we're always kind of here and we're challenged by, I think, you know, is how do we move into clear, deeper connections with one another and in our current society? Yeah. There's so many, it's kind of lack of role models and, um, it's challenging for us. And there's also just this tendency to be so disconnected in this particular time that we're in, you know, like a lot of either messy, messy or completely disconnected and, um, and then pointing blame and, you know, just misunderstanding one another. So, you know, you and I are both humanists and I love that too. Like we really come um, from a place of like, how do we as people forge into greater clarity with ourselves so that we do get to benefit from all the beautiful, beautiful things that come out of human connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we can't talk about this topic without sort of addressing a couple other things. And one is that a lot of reason I think women overown, that's the tendency is because it's, it's, it's systemic, right? Like we've been taught to overown for yeah. a long time in our enslavement in the patriarchy. I mean, really like to be yeah. honest, you know, if we're going to lay it out. Let's go feminist. But, you know, yeah. I think if you look at it, like we've overowned the domestic skills, we've overowned raising our children, we've overowned um, our nurturing, we've over, you know, we've overowned everything by not getting paid for it and not even being valued for it. So, you know, there's sort of that issue. But I think the other issue that I think we have to bring to light when we're talking about this is, you know, part of getting to a place where you stop overowning and you stop underowning and you're really taking leadership, which is what we've been talking about. Like you will have to brave the wilderness as Brene Brown says, like you will not be liked by everyone. You will 
be hated by some. Like it is part of that ability to stand in your power because people don't like it. They want to manipulate you. They want to control you. They want you to do what you, what they want you to do. Like it's part of the whole, you know, process. And so I think we've got to be also clear that this path of responsibility is so freeing and so amazing. And I would never, ever, ever go back to my non-responsibility phase. In fact, I just want to keep going more and more forward to more and more responsibility, but it's, it can be a lonely path. It can be a challenging path. Not everybody's going to like me. And that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I really resonated with braving the wilderness is that it's not a place where you're going to be the most popular, like where you're going to make everyone happy. And the pleaser in me is really upset about that. <laughs> I've had to undo the, the pleasing and the making sure everybody's good and make sure everyone's happy in order to really step into my authentic self and to, to be the leader that I'm here to be. And I think for so many women, you're right. It's like, there's so much conditioning and we've learned to apologize for ourselves. Um, that's an over over owning right there. Like how many women apologize? Like one of the first things out of our mouth to each other, even is like, I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry. And I've tried, I've tried to watch myself with that as well. And just start thanking people for being patient or thank them for their understanding. Or, you know, if if there's something that, um, I want to be grateful to them for, but not over owning, um, in that way. So this is such a good conversation for women to have because, it's not something that might be in your character. Like, oh, I'm just this person. Like, I think a lot of women think, oh, well, I'm just that way. Well, you've been taught to be that way in a lot of ways. And you've been encouraged and rewarded for being that way. But we are, like you say, we are denying the world our bigger, grander selves by not stepping into our circle of power and recognizing the energy that's being wasted at our over owning things. It's just not serving. It's not serving us and it's not serving the world that we're here to impact. Yeah. And, and some really practical examples, right? Because I think we have to, like that point you just made is the point we have to get across. Like if you take nothing from this episode, I hope you'll take this, that over owning, because we do it sometimes for two reasons. We do it because it's uncomfortable to, to, you know, to basically not have people like us or to not fix people or to not make people happy, you know, like sometimes it's uncomfortable for us. And other times, you know, we don't, you know, it's like we, it's uncomfortable to watch someone have to go through struggle. So, you know, there's, it's sort of both sides, but I think, you know, what we have to recognize is that it is not of benefit to overown, not ever, not ever, 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 ever. Because what happens is you are either taking away someone's growth, like you're literally taking it away when you overown, and they never have the opportunity to step up. They never have the opportunity to take responsibility or the opportunity to grow. So we're, we're sabotaging their growth every time we overown. So that's one thing. And the second thing is you are absolutely depleting your energy. You are draining yourself. And so then you can't serve everyone else. And this is what I realized like in my practice, if I'm over owning for one client, I am under owning for every single other one. Mm. Yes. Yes. Cause there's the imbalance. Yeah. Yeah. 
because that one person will take the over owning takes so much energy. Like it's exponential energy. It's not just like it, you know, one person you're spending energy. It's like expo exponential energy because it's like a depleting of your system in a way that staying in your power is not. So it's yeah. like, you know, one person will be the same amount of energy as 20 other people that you could better serve. Mm -hmm. So it's like busting that myth open right now. That's what we're doing is like, it is not actually for anybody's greater good yes. that you over own because in doing so you're under serving and under owning other aspects that need you and yeah. you're depleting your energy. And by being more clear, like you were saying, and standing in your circle, then you will be able to see that more clearly. And like anything that we've talked about on any of our podcasts on yet. This is, this is a practice, you know, this is like a mind, um, a mindfulness, an awareness, starting to notice like in your life, in your day to day, where are you over owning things and where are you under owning and how can you shift that energy in a way that is in honor of you and therefore going to be honoring those around you. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, this, this is obviously a really deep topic and we want to sort of take a slice of it, which is around the over-owning and under-owning. Um, I really love that we sort of moved into the leadership piece as well, but I think this is really important. And, and, you know, this is, this is a great discussion topic because I don't think there's, you know, there's not one clear answer. And a lot of people, I think it's stuck in, am I under-owning? Am I over-owning? I know my clients come to me and they're like, I have the situation, you know, where is the right ownership? And we have to sort of dissect it and come apart. So this is a great place to sort of, you know, like join in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on this. Um, you can join our Facebook group. Like that's one way to sort of dive in and talk about the podcast topics um, or just, you know, reach out. We, we have a lot on our social media as far as the, the podcasts and teasers and everything, because we'd love to hear from you. Like, what are your thoughts about this? Um, and, you know, I think this is a topic we probably could dive in deeper and deeper in, so, in a few more episodes. What do you think, Laura? Yeah. Yes. I love the leadership piece in the kind of the feminist culture. Um, yeah. Shifting, mm. <laughs> like shifting that yeah, way of thinking about ourselves. And, and again, I love like not personalizing what's been systemically created and finding ways together to bust out of those ways that those rules that no longer apply. No longer are we playing by in this arena yeah. <laughs> that we're making. And, and the world needs our leadership. It really does. Like we can't sit in any more in sort of this, um, this comfortable place. Like the world needs the feminine leadership. They, it needs the divine mature feminine. Like we, we really can't sustain anymore if we continue to allow sort of the masculine paradigm. And so I think, you know, now more than ever, we as women need to step into proper leadership um, and to lead the way really. Yes. Agreed. All right. Well, we will wrap it up here. Thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can dive into more of the conversation in our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. 
You can also access all of our episodes and some great resources at womeninthebusinessarena.com. Our mission is to arm more women with the tools, strategies, and know-how to navigate the business arena with ease so they can create more success, more fulfillment, and more liberation. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, you can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who commented, reviewed, and shared our show. We are so appreciative of your support. Okay, talk to you next week.